up, man? It's Craig Smith, the Rhino, former NBA player and PC legend. Shout out. Shout out. What's your ones look like? No, I'm just playing. Hope you're staying well, staying safe, and staying blessed. Rhino out. Losing the ball. Smith has it. Hudson. Bounce pass to Craig Smith. Puts it down. Who's afraid of that big bad wolf? Metal World Peace Pipe. What's going down? It's the big baller, baby. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the halftime community from the big baller himself. That's right. You guys keep it right and tight. Keep doing your thing. Because Big Baller Brand is in the building. And you know how we gets down. But anyways, y'all do y'all thing. And we gonna do our thing. Because Big Baller's got to stick together. Again, shout out to the halftime community. That's right. Big Baller's out, baby. And I holla. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Mitch, or you may know me better as Metal World Peace Pipe on the Halftime Community app. And I'm coming to you live and in stereo with the first installment of the Halftime Community podcast, where every week, maybe two weeks, we'll see how it goes, see who wants to hop on the train here. We're going to chop it up with members of the community and the fans that know the teams best that are watching them game in, game out. So without further ado, um, I'm going to give my little plug for the Halftime app. If you're not already on there, go ahead and search it up. If you're Android scum like me, go ahead on the Google Play Store, search Halftime, download that, and it's very easy to use. You're just going to get on there, start chatting, start chopping it up with us, and you might find yourself on the podcast here. Or if you're on iPhone, go on your iPhone store, whatever fancy thing that is, search Halftime and find us on there. So let's get straight into it. Full disclosure, I'm taping this on December 22nd. The day of NBA tip-off, the greatest day of the year in some people's lives. So let's get straight into the news of the week. We haven't had any real games played yet. We've had preseason. We've had the draft. We've had the offseason. All the big moves have been made. Let's talk about the brand new move that the Utah Jazz just made. They signed Rudy Gobert, the Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert, to a five-year, $205 million extension. Now, on the surface, that seems like a lot. And I know this has been a point of contention for a lot of people in the NBA circles. We're going to talk a little bit about it. So Rudy Gobert, let's look at the resume superlatives here. He's 27 years old, turning 28 this season, so he's not exactly a young buck. We kind of know what he is at this point. Let's look at the career numbers, though. Averaging 11 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, and just over two blocks per game, shooting about 64% from the field total in his NBA career. Now, those aren't the most glowing numbers when you just look at them on the surface, but if you look at his prime years he's had over the last two or three years, he's up that scoring percentage to about 15 points a game. I think last year is right around 16 points a game. Rebounds just a little bit higher. I think they're around 12 rebounds per game now, and his blocks and steals are right around the same. Um, he's never been able to really develop his game outside of five feet and in that's why his field goal percentage is always so high shoots right around 65 to 70 percent every year but I mean is that really that impressive when you're not ever shooting anything beyond five feet and in when you're not shooting a dunk and you're not shooting a layup I would say no 
and he's definitely got to expand his game. That's where it first comes in. The first knocks on him come in. But also, if you look at the positives here, he's a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. He's been a one-time All-Star nomination. Uh, led the league in total blocks in one season, which was 2016-2017, and total rebounds in 2019 and 2020. He did that one time. Top five in defensive win shares, three seasons total, uh, third last season. So for all you advanced stat nerds out there, he's definitely been a defensive anchor for the Utah Jazz. All NBA accolades three total times. Uh, third team last year, third team in 2018 and 2019, and then second team in 2016 and 2017. So I see a lot of people when they're defending this, they go straight to the All-NBA nominations. I see that. I see your argument. I see it a lot. Um, but it's never been first team. I just want to point, put that out there. Devil's advocate. He's never been first team All-NBA. And a lot of that third team nomination is due to the fact that there hasn't been a lot of healthy back-to-the-basket type centers the past few years of the NBA. So that is a lot of the case against the extension. Um, there's also, I mean, just the amount of money they're going to be paying him about $40 million on average the next five seasons. And that, that's an escalating contract. I looked over it. I looked over the details of it. On that fifth year, which is a player option, which he is obviously he's going to opt into unless something severe happens with the Utah Jazz and he just doesn't want to be there anymore. He is due $45 million on that fifth year, which he'll be turning, what, 33, 34 years old. And you're going to be paying him $45 million for that season? Yikes. That's, I mean, that's not exactly where you want to be, but maybe the Jazz are thinking NBA is going to be coming back in popularity. Uh, people are going to be going to the games again by then. Hopefully, keep our fingers crossed. Everything goes good with this vaccine that we're, saves the 2021 NBA season um, and beyond. But seriously, $45 million. Maybe they think the cap is going to go up and that's not going to look so bad in five years. But let's look at the outside. Gobert came into the league. He's a very raw prospect. Came from France. He was a late first-round pick, traded to the Jazz on draft day. And he's known for his defensive accolades. And Jazz fans, they'll go to the moon and back and tell you when he's not in the game, you can definitely tell. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm grinding Utah Jazz game footage day in, day out. I'm sitting here on late league pass watching the Utah Jazz. I watch them just like a lot of NBA fans. You know, I watch them in the playoffs. I watch them when they're in prime time. Or if I'm on league pass, I'm watching NBA fast break and it flips to the Jazz. I'll definitely watch them. But Jazz fans will go to the moon and back and they'll tell you, without Rudy Gobert, this team has no defense. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to secede to them. I'm going to say, yeah, you're probably right. You watch them a lot more than me. You've watched Rudy Gobert develop and they defend this guy like none other. So he must mean something to the team, something to the city. We can't deny he's one of the best rim protectors in the league and one of the best rebounders consistently in the NBA. And I talked about that shooting percentage, 65%. That means he's obviously making a lot more shots than he's missing. But going forward, he is going to have to expand his game a little bit. Even everybody says, oh, three-point shooting, three-point shooting. NBA bigs are shooting threes now. He's never going to be a three-point shooter. I would never, you know, that's just not realistic for someone who's never really shot the ball like that. He's just not going to develop at age 28 into a, you know, respectable three-point shooter maybe I mean Brooke Lopez did it so maybe there's an outside shot but I just don't see it I don't see it happening anytime soon maybe when he's 34 35 he develops a little bit 
more in the outside game when he has to, but now he's still athletic. He's still one of the best specimens in the league. He's got a huge wingspan, so I don't see him really devoting the time to being a three-point shooter. But he has to develop some sort of post moves. If he can develop one or two go-to post moves, that is going to be key for him moving forward. He can become, you know, instead of a 16-point-per-game player, maybe he's a 20-point-per-game player shooting a little bit less, a little bit worse from the field, say 55% instead of 65%, but he's giving you a little bit more on that end every night, drawing the defense out just a little bit more. Maybe he's shooting from 15 feet instead of shooting from only 5 feet and in. Maybe he has a little turnaround jumper or a hook shot that he can at least use and scare the defense a little bit more than just camping under the basket and catching lobs. So that is the case against Rudy Gobert's extension. $205 million over 5 years. Seems like craziness on the outside looking in as a casual NBA fan. But let's look at the case for the extension. So right after it came out, the news came out that he had signed this big extension, he penned a letter, an open letter to the Utah Jazz fans just telling them how grateful he was to be in Utah, a guy coming from France, you know, not knowing the culture, not knowing the country at all, um, still learning basketball when he came over here. And they took a chance on him. They really showed him love, showed him, showed him loyalty, and he wants to give that loyalty back to the Jazz community, the Utah community as a whole, and I respect that. You know, a lot of people are talking about player empowerment, player movement, um, how, you know, James Harden was trying to force his way out of Houston. Now it looks like he may stay in Houston. Who knows what's going to happen with that, but he may not have a choice. He's under contract right now. So the Rockets may be playing hardball with him, but this is kind of the opposite. You know, Rudy Gobert spent his entire career in Utah so far. Looks like he's probably going to end up retiring in Utah if all goes well here. At least he's going to spend all of his key years in Utah. So there's loyalty there. It runs deep. Um, this is what fans always say they want to see in the NBA players. They don't see enough of. So you can't really knock the guy. You can't knock the organization for staying loyal to him. He's a homegrown talent. Um, he's been consistent on both ends of the floor from five feet and in. Like I said, he's that rim protector you want. He's also a guy that's just going to catch lobs, get offensive rebounds, dunk at home, um, be consistent from five feet and in. And then Jazz fans, you know, I've already said it. They're going to tell you, they're going to tell you to the moon and back how this guy anchors the entire defense. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he doesn't. He's probably that defensive anchor that the Jazz need. And without him on the floor, they do struggle. So there is that to point to. It's easy to trash the Jazz for making Gobert rich beyond our wildest imaginations. But the truth really is that Utah is never going to attract top flight free agents. So I've seen a lot of arguments on the app and otherwise just in the NBA community as a whole. Everybody's saying, you know, $40 million to Rudy Gobert. That's crazy. You can pay. All these players are getting paid less than Rudy Gobert this season. And they're two times the player that Rudy Gobert is. They have, you know, all NBA nominations. They have championship rings. They have scoring titles. And they're getting paid less than Rudy Gobert. Yes, all that is true. I, I concede that. All that is true. But let's just look at the facts here. It's Utah. It's a small market. It's Utah. It's not an attractive destination. It's not like, you know, AD is going to come up for free agency or even Lonzo, a guy like Lonzo Ball next year coming up for free agency or young guys coming up for free agency through the pipeline, maybe Tyler Hero in a few years, years here if he develops. They're not going to sit here and say, well, I could go to LA, I could go to New York, I can stay in Miami, or I can go to, you know, Utah. 
Utah's just not on that list. They're never going to be on that list unless, you know, a miracle happens like what happened in Golden State with, you know, everything coming together at the same time. They had Curry, they had Clay, they had Draymond and Steve Kerr putting in that um, Golden State system all at the same time with some veteran guys. And then KD's like, oh my God, I got to get a ring. I got to get a ring right now. I'm going to Golden State. And he amplified what they were doing. He made them even better than they already were. One of the best teams you'll ever see in the NBA. That's just never going to happen in Utah unless they luck into something like that. Right now, they have Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is a Hall of Fame potential type guy. We saw it in the bubble last year. He went crazy in the bubble. Him and Jamal Murray went back and forth, back and forth. It's going to be a great rivalry for as long as Donovan Mitchell is there. So maybe they just say, you know, this is the best we can do. This is the best we can pair up with Donovan Mitchell, and we're going to do it. We're going to attach ourselves to Gobert right now. We're going to attach ourselves to Donovan Mitchell, and we're going to ride this out for at least the next three to five years. Maybe, I mean, to me, their cap with their current roster, the highest I see them going is probably the Western Conference Finals, and that's if, you know, everything breaks right. Um, Maybe the Lakers have an injury, the Clippers have a key injury, um, the Suns don't perform, you know, the Trailblazers kind of fall off here. There's a lot of things that have to go right. Denver and them, I see kind of on the same pedestal. Um, It's going to be a good rivalry between them. But a lot of things are going to have to go right for the Jazz to make the finals. Donovan Mitchell is going to have to up his game from, you know, one of the best 15 players in the league to one of the best five players in the league. He can do it. He's shown the potential. He can be the primary ball handler when asked to do it. But right now, he's mostly a scoring guard. Um, He is going to lead the Jazz to the future. They've got Bogdanovich coming back. They've got a lot of good things going. Ingles is a solid role player. Jordan Clarkson, a lot of people are singing his praises coming off the bench for a possible six-man-of-the-year candidate. Uh, I don't really see that. I've watched a lot of Jordan Clarkson throughout his career, you know, and he kind of is what he is. He's a spark plug off the bench type guy. He might give you 15 points a game, kind of like Lou Williams with the Clippers. And he's valuable to have, but I don't see him really shifting the needle there. Um, So this is kind of where the Jazz are. If they want to have a chance and they want to have an outside shot on cracking the NBA Finals within the next five years and maximizing Donovan Mitchell's potential, they probably have to keep Gobert. And that's just, it is what it is. Maybe it's too much money. I don't really know. I'm not here to say. But that loyalty runs deep, and I can't really blame them. Defensive player of the year. Come on, give it to him back to back. Yo, yo, yo. This is Reggie Lewis, 35, a.k.a. Halftime Woj. And I'm bringing you a new segment. Now, I don't have a name for it yet. I might call it Sixth Man. I might call it On the Bench. I might call it Sixth Foul. I might call it Fouled Out. Hell, I might even let you guys in. The point is, what I'm going to do is introduce you to players from the past. I'm not talking about Kobe, God rest his soul, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. I'm not even talking about Larry, Magic, Michael, Dominique. And I sure as hell am not talking about Kawhi, AD, KD, LeBron, Rudy Gobert, or anybody else you want to name. I'm talking about players from the past 50s 60s 70s it might be some 80s in there 
A lot of you guys claim to be basketball aficionados and, quote, geniuses, close quote, but you don't know basketball beyond that which you have seen. And brothers and sisters, if there are any in here, I'm here to tell you, there is a National Basketball Association beyond that which you have seen. And my job is to link the present and the past and the past to the present so that we can gain a better understanding of the game we so dearly love. So take a trip with me throughout the season and each week I'm going to bring you somebody different. Sometimes it might be too. Now make no mistake, I'm also going to talk about what's going on in the current NBA because we got a lot going on and we got a whole lot to talk about. But before each segment is over, you're going to hear about somebody who used to play the game and who they compare to now, or rather who compares to them. Because since they came before, they deserve that respect. I look forward to getting it on with y'all, going back and forth, teaching and learning, and most importantly, having a good time. But for now, on today, for those who have waited with bated breath for this day to come, Happy opening day, y'all. Be cool. Peace. For 21 for the line. Here's Jordan going left and rejected by Lewis. I'm lucky enough to be joined here by Brian Ott. Uh, Brian, if you want to give us a short intro, just tell us who you are, um, your username on the app, just kind of the teams you're a fan of, that sort of thing. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Um, on the app, I'm... Bryant 14. I'm Brian Ott, just kind of shorten that one up, but you'll see me on there posting from time to time. Um, my teams are, I've been a Dallas fan my whole life. Started rooting for them when I was, you know, eight or nine years old. Um, I loved Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki kind of growing up, so I just kind of stuck with them through that. But I actually, I've moved to Denver since then, so I've started rooting for the Nuggets a little bit as well, and uh, those are definitely the two teams that I follow the most, but I try and try and keep up to date on just about anything in the league. Perfect. Yeah, I'm glad you joined us today. Um, the Mavericks are kind of a they're not playing tonight. It is the first day of the NBA tip off day. Big day in the NBA community. They're not playing tonight, but they are a big storyline going into the season. They've got Luca, of course. They've got KP, Chris uh, Tapps, Porzingis, everybody's favorite unicorn. He's injured right now, but he's I just saw he's been cleared for practice. So maybe January. Maybe February he'll be back in the rotation. So what are your thoughts on the Mavericks overall and uh, Luka? I mean, obviously, everyone's starting to realize how great Luka is. Um, you know, I saw he's the front runner for MVP. I certainly hope he can hit those levels. And I think it's important for, to realize that, you know, as great as he was last year, it was his second year in the league. And often you see people take a jump from year one to year two. And then even the biggest jump is usually from year two to year three. So I certainly think he can get even better. And uh, I think, you know, in Mavs in general, we're going to go as far as Luka can carry us. I think it's that that simple. Um, but I think they're surrounding him with the right guys. I think KP is actually the perfect complement to him. Um, 
But, you know, with KP, the question is always health. Um, Got to make sure that he's healthy come playoff time. I honestly don't care that he's missing a couple of games at the beginning of the year because we don't need him at the beginning of the year. I think Luca alone can carry us to the playoffs in the regular season. What we're really going to need him is in the postseason where you saw last year, round one, we were giving the Clippers everything we had with KP out there. And once he went down, we really couldn't hang um, quite as much anymore. So I, I think it's definitely, obviously, it's a great time to be a Mavericks fan with a young star like Luca in the league. But I really like the direction they're headed too. with kind of last year we had this great offense. And then this offseason, they really spent it addressing the defensive side of the ball and adding tough defenders like uh, Josh Richardson and um, even Jawan Johnson from, uh, or I forget if it's Jawan or James, but anyway, um, adding some extra defense and toughness. Um, I think that's really what the Mavericks need and are going to need come playoff time because at this point, you know, after last year, we're good enough in the regular season. We prove we can make the playoffs. The next step's going to be going far in the playoffs, but I think we have, we have the right players in place and it's just going to be about building on what we've already started to put together. Yeah, perfect. I totally agree with that. Josh Richardson, you mentioned him. He's been a big pickup for the Mavs. Um, he went to Philly and everybody thought, you know, this is a big pickup for Philly. Kind of got lost in the rotation there. Didn't really get a lot of minutes on the wing. Um, Philly was playing a lot of big men, paying a lot of other guys a lot of high-priced salaries, so they weren't playing Josh Richardson as much. But he goes to Dallas. Um, notes are that everybody says he's motivated. He's been working on his shooting even more. He's the perfect 3 and D guy to kind of fit there in Dallas, and they got him at sort of a bargain, so that's nice. What is one other role, role player for the Mavericks this upcoming season you're looking forward to seeing? Well, um, I'm sure any fellow Mavericks fans that might be listening to this aren't going to be surprised to hear me say this, but maybe some of the other people around the league don't quite know about this guy yet. But Maxi Kleber is the guy on the Mavericks that is the absolute epitome of what we want in a role player. He's also he's very much like Chris Stapps, other than you know being four inches shorter, but he can defend well he can shoot the three he can get in a pick and pop with Luca and he's really um I think going to be a great player both filling in for Chris Stapps when he's out as well as he can play alongside him as he did last year and I think he's really probably the most important guy on our bench in terms of having uh someone else that can come in defend good front court players I remember watching last year him going against Zion and he actually defended Zion better than anyone I, I thought I saw him go head to head against all year. So I think his defense is really underrated and obviously the ability to be a big man and step out and hit a jump shot. Plus being a, you know, German, German uh, doesn't hurt with the Dallas fan base. So certainly I think he's the, uh, the role player on the maps that really has the most important role on the team and hopefully we'll, we'll do quite well this year. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, Maxi Kleber. He is a name to look out for, and he's the next big German in Dallas. We saw one running around for about 20 years there, some guy named Dirk Nowitzki. I don't know much about him, but yeah, I, I heard he's he'll ever pan out. Yeah, I don't know. He might be. Mavericks fans seem to like him, but I don't know if he'll ever be a Hall of Famer. Um, I say that in jest, of course. You guys got kind of lucky. You had Dirk Nowitzki stay loyal to the Mavericks. He brought you guys a championship in 2011. Um, that's kind of right when I just started watching basketball really in depth. And I remember him just kind of putting the Mavericks on his back. Of course, they had a lot of role players around him, like Jason Kidd, Sean Marion, uh, Tyson Chandler was big for them. But 
he, he really just took it to the Heat and beat them in 2011. And then he retires, and you have this draft day trade for this guy named Luka Doncic. Everybody's not so sure about him. They really like him. I remember at the time he was kind of projected to be a number one overall pick, and then the Phoenix Suns had the number one overall pick, and he kind of dropped off a little bit. Um, they ended up going with DeAndre Ayton, and then it was Trey Young or Luka Doncic. Which guy do you want? And the Hawks end up drafting Luka and trading him to the Mavericks for Trey Young. Um, that draft day swap. So you kind of you got to feel a little bit blessed if you're a Mavericks fan. Um, getting that oh, draft absolutely. day trade, and now it looks like you might have the next 15 years of your Dallas fandom locked up in Luka. Yeah, I mean, as you said, it's absolutely amazing. I remember even going into that draft, I was one of those people that thought this guy's the no-brainer number one pick. It's, I will do anything to get him on the Mavericks. I think we had the third best odds in the lottery that year, and actually, fun stat on the Mavericks, not so fun if you're a Mavericks fan, is they've never in their history moved up in the draft lottery so we were hoping or at least i was hoping that was the year we need to get number one so we can get luke i remember them dropping to fifth and thinking man this is just heartbreaking i I shed a tear on a draft lottery night thinking we don't have a shot at him and then once once it got close to draft night and uh you know all the rumors started flying i heard we might be able to move up and all this i I didn't get my hopes up too too much because i didn't want to be disappointed and then when it actually happened i was just ecstatic and Obviously, it's paid off quite well for us Mavs fans. Yeah, Hawks fans, I'm sorry. I know there are a lot of you on the app. You're pretty vocal about Trey Young and this trade not being a lost cause already, but I'm sorry. Um, From an outside perspective, just an NBA fan in general, Luka Doncic is kind of a generational player. He almost averaged a triple-double last season. Uh, The Mavericks exceeded expectations kind of a year early before everybody thought they were going to be making a playoff run. They were already in the playoffs making some noise. Luka Doncic hitting clutch shots. So, sorry, I like Trey Young, but he's no Luka Doncic Hawks fans. Let's transition over to the Denver Nuggets. You said you live in Denver. You pay close attention. You at least watch Denver Nuggets games there. Yep. The big question moving into the season for them, I think, is Jamal Murray. You know, he had that breakout in the bubble. What Weren't any fans in the bubble. He seemed to love it, but he, he just played up to the expectations of Nuggets fans and even beyond of what they had when they drafted him. Uh, do you think that was kind of a fluke from Jamal Murray, or is this something he can carry forward to this season? You know, that's really the uh, the big question, I guess. We've seen flashes of him uh, being this brilliant scorer in the past, but really what he struggled with is consistency. I think last year he only averaged 18 or 19 a game, and then in the bubble he's getting 25, and in the playoffs he's putting up games with 40 and 50. And I think as Nuggets fans kind of know that he's always had this in him and he's been capable, I think what's going to be key is can he keep it consistent for a year um, for a full season. So. I'm hopeful that the answer to that question is yes. Certainly he was a young guy. He's still getting better and learning to be more consistent. Um, I know that the Nuggets coaching staff and front offices talked with him specifically about that and saying, you know, you have all this ability. Just make sure that you can stay locked in, elevate that level. And I think after seeing him uh, do it for, you know, about a month in the playoffs in the bubble, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that he can kind of keep that consistency this year and become more of a 22 to 25 a game score instead of an 18 to 19 and if he can do that I think the Nuggets should be in a in great position alongside Jokic 
Yeah, I totally agree. It's pretty crazy to think that just a year, even two years ago, um, when people were rattling off trade rumors, Jamal Murray seemed to get thrown into a lot of those. And now all of a sudden after the bubble, he's kind of untouchable for the Nuggets. They really like what they have and they're going to work, move forward with him and Jokic. And that brings me over to another young guy the Nuggets have on their roster, uh, getting a lot of buzz, Michael Porter Jr. They drafted him. Um, they knew when they drafted him, he was injury prone, which is a lot of the reason why they got him where they got him. Yep. He was a number one, you know, high school overall talent. I remember just because I live in Missouri and he went to Missouri University, Mizzou over here. Um, that was a big deal. Everybody was like, oh, this is the next big thing. He's going to take Mizzou to the final four. And then, of course, you know, he gets hurt really early into the season. I think it was maybe first or second game in the season. He's just gone. Um, never quite the same. Ever since then, I've kind of watched him. I keep an eye on him um, just because he's a Missouri guy. He's went to Missouri here. He just seems he got some of that explosiveness back, but he's just not the same guy that he was in like high school in that first couple games at Missouri. He was just dunking over everybody, you know, flying up and down the court, handling the ball. He's not quite back, but what what are your expectations for Michael Porter Jr. moving forward? Um, you know, I think it's a, a lot of what I said about Murray also applies to him. He showed in flashes that he can be a, a brilliant scorer. Um, and, you know, he's capable of getting 20 and 10, as he was often doing in uh, some of those bubble bubble games. And I really think if Denver wants to be a championship team, I don't think they, they're going to be able to trade for an outside star. Or if they do, I don't think it's necessarily the right move. It could mess up your chemistry. It could mess up your cap. I think the way for them to be a championship team is if Michael Porter Jr. becomes that third star. And, uh, you know, it's possible even he's only had about, you know, a year in the league and a year of conditioning and all that stuff. So he's still developing. And I could even see him surpassing Murray as their second best player. Maybe not this year, but maybe down the road. But if you have a three headed monster of Jokic, Murray and uh, Porter Jr., I, I think if if he really hits his his potential that could be a championship core right there and I think that's what all the Nuggets fans are hoping for certainly with him though the thing that I think you're worried about the most is his defense because I think it's clear that he knows what he's doing offensively like like I said he can get you 20 points on pretty efficient shooting he can be a three-level scorer he rebounds pretty well as well but um, he looked a little lost on defense at times and I think especially with coach Malone um, that's something that he takes a lot of pride in and that may have been the reason he wasn't getting so many minutes early in the season last year when people were calling for him to get more time. So we'll have to see how he improves on that end. But again, I, like you said, he was a former number one uh, overall high school recruit. So he certainly has the potential to be a star. And hopefully for Nuggets fans, he hits that potential. Yeah, definitely. And you kind of answered my next question already in that I was listening to today um, to another podcast and they were kicking around the idea of the Nuggets and what they are moving forward. Um, and Michael Porter Jr. in general, they were just talking about him. And if the Nuggets were to be in the running for a superstar trade or star-level trade, it would most likely have to include Michael Porter Jr. So if you're a Nuggets yep. fan, I'm hearing from you, you would probably not do that and just stick with Michael Porter Jr. and ride it out with him. Yep. I mean, you know, everyone's going to have different opinions, but I, I personally— I always think you're a little bit more connected as a fan to your homegrown guy that you see as, oh, we got him as like a steal in the draft and he has the potential to be this star. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, but when it does work out, 
I think that connects and resonates even more with the fan base. You know, even when you make these star player trades, they're never a sure thing. Um, you've seen plenty of examples where guys get traded in this massive deal and then they don't go on to win a championship. And then you've lost your Michael Porter Jr. who could go on to become a star with another team. Um, so my opinion personally is I would rather see them keep this core together. You know, Denver's never been a huge free agent destination. So having this these three homegrown talents that could all potentially be stars together that's that's what I would do if I were their front office. But, you know, I'm not in their front office, so we'll have to see what they decide. Yeah, you, I think you nailed it there. And then the last quick hitter I had on the Nuggets was Jeremy Grant. They lost him in the offseason. He signed with the Pistons for $60 million. I personally think that was one of the worst free agent contracts this offseason that I've seen. Um, I haven't quite seen, you know, that kind of potential out of Jeremy Grant. Everybody likes to point to the defense and he's long and he kind of does a little bit of everything and which is true, I guess. But $60 million seems like an overpay to me. What do you think about Jeremy Grant? Is that hurt? Gonna, is that loss going to hurt them a lot or with Will Barton coming back? Are they going to be OK at the wing? Um, You know, I think they'll be OK at the wing. I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head where it is an overpay, in my opinion. I actually... I liked I liked him a lot as a player, and I thought this is a guy that they should try and bring back. But that number is a little high for what I would expect out of Jeremy Grant. Um, you know, he he's not a guy that's capable of being your third star like a Porter is, and Porter's gonna be the guy that gets a lot of his minutes. So um, I, I think all in all, most of his production can be replaced with internal growth. You did hit a little bit on the defense, which is something he was really valuable at. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that. You know, bringing back Millsap and having him being a tough, hard-nosed kind of defender. They've got a couple other tough wing defenders in Torrey Craig. Um, they've got uh, R.J. Hamptons as the young guy, the young athlete who's going to get some time on the wing and hopefully can develop his defense as well. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But I I was upset to see uh, him move on, but I do agree that at that price, I don't think it was worth bringing him back. And I do think that They've been a team that's developed talent, especially on the wings over time, um, over the years. They, you know, they had to trade Malik Beasley because they couldn't give him the minutes before. So they're, they're a team that's accustomed to developing wings, and I think they'll be able to replace most of his production. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you there. So for to wrap it up with the Mavs and the Nuggets, where do you think they finish? What's kind of their ceiling and what's kind of the floor for each team? Um, You know, I think... Both of them are kind of battling for, uh, you see a lot of betting sites and stuff like that have both of them kind of battling for about that number three spot in the West. I think that's probably a pretty realistic expectation. Um, we'll have to see what happens with the two LA teams and how much time their stars take off in this uh, kind of shortened season to see if they could get any higher. But I think around that three, four spot is pretty realistic for both of them. Um, you know, it depends on their health as well. I don't think there's really any chance of either of them missing the playoffs. I think, you know, worst case scenario for both of them is kind of six, seven, eight. And even that is, I think, unlikely. I think the three, four is more likely. Um, if everything breaks right and, you know, God forbid any injuries happen to the L.A. teams, they could potentially challenge for that one or two seed. But I really do see both of them probably competing for each other for the three and four seeds. Yeah, in a loaded West, it's going to be pretty crazy. You've got... Um, them, you got the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Jazz. Um, people are really high on the Trailblazers, so we'll see how they do. I'm not so high on the Trailblazers. I know they Dame Lillard did a lot for himself, did a lot for the team last year in the bubble, but 
they probably if ja, if Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't get hurt for the Grizzlies, they probably wouldn't have even been in the playoffs. So to just suddenly vault them to the second or third seed or fourth seed, which I've seen is kind of crazy to me, especially in a loaded West. But, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. So let's go ahead and move up to some segments here really quick. The first one I've got for you, we're going to do this every week with every guest, is stock up, stock down. So you can name one player, one team, one coach, one thing that's burning on you from the past, whatever you want to do here, the floor is yours. Give me one team or one player or, or something from the past that's stock up for you and then one that's their stock is down a little bit. All right, you mind if I go for the down first? Because it actually just ties into you quite nicely. Yes, it's your world. So I'm with you that I am down on Portland this year. Um, I've heard a lot of buzz that, you know, they got back Nurkic. They brought in Covington. That means they're a three seed, and I just don't see it. I get that they were that they were the three seed, made it to the Western Conference Finals, whatever that was, two years ago. Luka Doncic wasn't even in the league two years ago. Other teams are getting a lot better. They don't just get to go back to that, in my opinion. And, you know, as good as Covington is, he gets all this credit as being this great wing defender. I think there's a reason teams keep moving on for him. I don't think he's the guy that really moves the needle. Um, you know, I got all the respect in the world for Dame Lillard. He's certainly a loyal guy, great player. But I don't see them as a true threat in the West. Um, they could be a playoff team, certainly, but I, I think they're more of a seven or eight back half of the league, not not a three seed like I've seen other people saying. Um, and, you know, I watched a little bit of their preseason games as well. I try not to put too much stock in the preseason because everything's a little bit off with rotations and playing everyone differently. But, you know, they got murdered by the Nuggets two nights in a row. If that's the team that they're competing for, the three or four seed with, it looks to me like the Nuggets are a far superior team at this point, but time will tell. Yeah, I, I totally, I'm with you there. Uh, Dame Lillard, all the respect in the world. Uh, I don't want to meet you in a back alley or get in a rap battle with you. I know you <laughs> yep. rapping's your thing as well, but um, yeah, all the respect to Dame Lillard. CJ McCollum's a solid player. Nurkic is a tough nose, tough nose player. He's going to probably average double double if he can stay healthy. Um, but all things considered, I think they're probably in the West, probably five, six is a good number for them. Uh, maybe sneak into that seven, just depending on how, how other teams like the Suns improve. If the Warriors can keep it together with Curry staying healthy, um, we'll see how that goes in Minnesota. You've got some young players up there too. So it's going to be a battle at the back half. What is one team or one player you have stock up on? So the team that I'm actually stock up on pretty high on is Philadelphia. Um, you know, everyone kind of had a bad taste at their mouth at the end of last season. They got swept in the first round of the playoffs. But to me, watching that game, or watching those games, I should say, um, that looked like a team that had quit. You know, they didn't have their second best, maybe even best player in Ben Simmons. They were outmatched and they knew it. And they just didn't really want to compete. I think the problem in Philadelphia for a long time has not been the Simmons and Bede fit necessarily. It's been the coaching around it and how to make that fit work. I, I personally don't know how good a coach Doc truly is. You know, he's had his own struggles. But the thing that I think he is truly best at is being a motivator. And I think that's exactly what Simmons and Embiid need is a guy who's going to, you know, have their backs in the media and really pump them up no matter what. And I think that's going to be great for them. I liked what they did as well with some of their trades and adding shooting. Um, you know, as a Mavericks fan, I was sad to see Seth Curry go, but I think he's going to be a great fit with uh, those guys. Same with Danny Green. Um, 
So I, I really I like what Philly has going on this year, and I think they could surprise some people. And if if Simmons and Embiid are healthy, I mean, let's not forget they were a bounce away from going to the West or the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago with those two, and I think they have better pieces around them now. So those two can stay healthy. I think Doc can be the right kind of motivational coach for them. Um, I, I like what Philly's got going heading into this year. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, two years ago, that shot by Kawhi Leonard where it hit, you know, 72 parts of the rim before going in. If he doesn't make that shot, I mean, the Sixers could legitimately be holding a championship ring that year. And then all of a sudden we're looking at this thing a whole lot differently. Um, Maybe it's a bad thing for the Sixers, though, because Brett Brown probably is still isn't the isn't still is in the head coaching spot based off that championship win that I'm giving them. Um, So a lot of things are different. And you mentioned Doc Rivers, the coaching staff there. I think they got a good co- coaching staff around Doc Rivers. He took a bad rap. I heard Paul George talking about him the other day, that Paul George plays best in the pick and roll, and Doc didn't let him play in the pick and roll, which is actually totally untrue if you look at the stats. So shout yeah, out to Paul George. Yeah. I don't know what Paul George is talking about. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Paul George um, for just saying something just because he wants to trash the coach. So I hope that works out for the Clippers, but... Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Things could be totally different in Philly this year. They've got Simmons. They got Embiid. I know they've been floating around with the Harden trade. I I think it would have happened by now if it was going to happen. That hasn't happened yet. So we'll see how that turns out. But right now with the roster they have, what we have to go off of, I think that's definitely a good team to look out for. And then the last segment I've got here, everybody's favorite, uh, give me a hot take. It's called Heat Wave. Just give me a hot take. Could be anything from the past or the present that you're burning on. So I'll give you one for the present that I guess maybe could have gone into my stock down, uh, but it's not really a stock down so much as it is a zag from everyone else's zig. Um, I don't think the Nets are going to be that good this year. I think everyone's so excited to see KD back, see him play with Kyrie. But I look at that team and I say, where's the defense? Their best defender is probably is probably Kevin Durant, and he's coming off a torn Achilles and is asked to be the number one option on offense. I don't, I don't like what I see from them defensively. Um, you know, I still have questions about KD. He's looked good in the, in the preseason so far. But, again, I said before, I don't put too much stock in preseason. You know, people aren't playing their normal rotations. No one's giving you a hard foul when you're driving to the rim. I'd, I'd rather see what he looks like trying to play 32 minutes on back-to-backs before I make a final judgment. And I, he was one of my favorite players, so I hope he proves me wrong. But uh, I, I'm not nearly as high on the Nets as a lot of other people are. And I, I think they'll – struggle a lot more than people think this year and I could see them as potentially being like a first round exit I'm not gonna say they're gonna miss the playoffs because let's be honest they have Kyrie and Kevin Durant they're gonna be in the playoffs but I could see them having a tough time getting out of even round one in the playoffs this year yeah and then you also along with that you have a brand new coach I know everybody loves Steve Nash I love Steve Nash I love watching him play he's the Um, reason I became a Mavericks fan he was my favorite player so yeah I mean Steve Nash nobody I don't think anybody hates Steve Nash nobody can hate on that guy but he is a brand new coach and he's gonna have some growing pains I know KD and Kyrie probably respect him but if things go south or they start off kind of slow you know they are the kind of guys that could turn on the coaching staff um, really quick, especially a first-time head coach like Steve Nash. So it could go sideways to all you Nets fans out there. I know you're you're really high on them in the preseason, but we'll see how everything goes with the Nets. Yep. Awesome. Well, that brings me to the end. Uh, I'm going to give you time here if you want to plug anything, if you got anything to say before you take off on us. 
Just go Mavs. Go MVP Mavs. MVP Luka. It's happening this is. year. Luka MVP season. You heard it here first. Maxi Kleber, first six man of the year, most improved player of the year, possible MVP candidate. You heard it here first. Uh, I thank you for joining us, Brian. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dallas doubling up Orlando eight minutes into the game. Fultz leaves his feet. Wright reads the pass, steals it. Ross trying to defend him. He leaves it for Kleba. Before I let you all go, I just wanted to thank you for joining me on the Halftime Community Podcast. This is episode one. If you want to be on the show, want to be a part of the show, just hit me up on the Halftime app. My username on there is MetaWorldPeacePipe. Or you can hit me up on our show email. The email is HalftimeHoopHeadPodcast at gmail.com. So that is Halftime, H-O-O-P-H-E-A-D, podcast at gmail.com. Just let me know you want to be featured on the show. I will certainly fit you in. Um, We'll get the details down for that and get you going. Um, before I let you go, though, we got to get into it. We just have to. Who is the GOAT? Who is the greatest of all time? You've got Kobe. You've got MJ. You've got LeBron. You've got Wilt Chamberlain. Bill Russell. He's got 11 rings. Who's the GOAT? Oh, that's the outro music. Uh, yeah, I got to go. I can't get into this right now. Got to let you all go. Come back in episode two. We'll discuss the first week of the NBA season. Who's looking good? Who's looking bad? And we'll, of course, get into who is the GOAT. See y'all later.